Welcome to the Get the Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, and I'm coming to you from the Ocean Shores, Washington, Get the Knack podcast studio. And I am joined by a special guest here on Friday night. She's been on the show before. She's coming to us all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Please welcome back to the program, the host of Morbid Planet on YouTube, Aaron Chapman. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing wonderful. We've got this nice little cross-promotion, cross-collaboration thing going on. I come on Morbid Planet, Virgin's Views. We talk about a horror movie you've never seen before, one that you know is near and dear to my heart. Then you come on my show. We talk about the horror genre. This is really, really uh, turning into something uh, a lot of fun. It's a great way to spend our Friday night. I would agree. And, you know, back in the day, we would spend a Friday night, at least I would, watching chiller theater late at night, watching scary movies at all hours of the night, um, you know, introduced by some horror host. But see, where I grew up, we didn't have like, you know, Elvira or, or Sven Gulli or anybody like that, or even Joe Bob. Um, we would just have like this voiceover guy tell you, you know. And tonight on Chiller Theater, it's Vincent Price in whatever. So, you know, I don't know what you had in Canada growing up. Did you have, like, horror movie hosts and stuff or not so much? I don't much? remember any, no. Like, I don't remember anything at all. It was like you just watched a movie. Right. So it's kind of funny on your show, Virgin's View on uh, Morbid Planet on YouTube, you recently talked about uh, Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter, which is one of my favorite yes. films. And... <laughs> And what's interesting is the first time I ever saw it, I'm pretty sure it was introduced by Commander USA on USA's Groovy Movies on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon on the USA Network. And, uh, you know, he was one of the guys, uh, you know, uh, who was doing it in the 80s on the weekends. And I, you know, I, I have a special place in my heart for folks like that. Um, so uh, Darcy the Mail Girl from uh from joe bob briggs in the last drive-in recently followed me on twitter so i'm i'm super thrilled about that i count that as victory <laughs> <laughs> it's a little things hey they're all victories <laughs> right right and i recently had uh, uh chauncey k robinson on the show who is a horror movie fanatic uh she's got her own uh youtube channel as well where she talks about a lot of horror movies and uh you know we talked to uh, uh, blue streak about the genre and what's happening today in, in horror movies. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that uh, you know, you've been able to do, see my show, the podcast, I talk about all, all kinds of things with all kinds of people, right? It's not like, like a horror movie or, uh, you know, darker things focused, even though I do have guests like yourself and uh, Anthony Hogg, who's a vampirologist from Australia. And we talk about some of the, the darker things and, and, you know, things that frighten us. But, um, I, I have all kinds of folks on the, on the show. In your your case, I mean, Morbid Planet, I mean, the name speaks for itself. You have really done a ton of episodes. You've had a ton of great guests um, talking about all kinds of things. You've had authors. You've had uh, all kinds of people on your show. Uh, how has uh, Morbid Planet been going for you? I think it's been going good because, again, it's a learning experience, I think, the whole journey um i think i'm up to about i think i'm on my 33rd episode right now so i'm doing pretty good because you know considering i do it all myself i do the editing i do all the content everything like that and it's it's interesting you get to talk to my favorite part is i like the virgin's views and 
I like also, which for anyone doesn't know, the virgin's view is I'm the virgin. And basically (laughs) (laughs) I look at a horror film I know nothing about and there's no reviews, no behind information. If I know anything about the film, then we don't do it. So I'm kind of getting my groove in the sense that I've got Virgin's Views on there now. I've got interviews as well. And then I've also got um, a Morbid Minute, which those I really like because it's basically a video. In about one minute, you will be educated on something morbid and learn something and they're fun. So those I'm getting and, you know, I'm still working on other content, but I like to have like a regular selection of stuff and now that I've got my groove, it's just you keep picking different topics, which works. And, yeah, got to interview a lot of people so far. Yeah, yeah, you have. And, you know, some folks that have been, like, you know, crossed my – either my periphery or, or directly in front of me, uh, Gordon Melton comes to mind. But um, what I find interesting is I'm trying to understand – where your fascination with the macabre comes from in the first place, right? And we'll get into horror films and and kind of where your head is and that kind of thing. We've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got into vampires in the first place uh, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Anne Rice uh, and her novels. But I, I kind of was wondering, uh, because, you know, in addition to all this, you know, your social media presence that, that you've had for years, you know, didn't just touch on horror or vampires, but also just things of the macabre. And I was wondering where this fascination comes from. Um, I think it just kind of comes from like, again, when I was a kid, I started watching horror movies really young. Um, I started reading books as well when I was younger. Um, my reading level was a lot higher than the kids in my grade. And I was reading like, Stephen King books and, you know, other things like Michael Slade was one that I really liked, which looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have read those as a child (laughs) because they're very graphic and very violent. (laughs) When I was a kid, it was the flowers in the attic books for the people that I knew. I was reading, I was reading, you know, Stoker and Shelley, but they're reading V.C. Andrews. And, you know, I'm sure those folks are really warped today. Um, you know, but that VC Andrew was, was the introduction to horror literature for a lot of kids. Yeah. It's, I never actually read VC Andrews. All my friends did Mm -hmm. and I'd be reading other stuff. (laughs) Right. I'm, I'm reading classics, right? I'm reading, in addition to that, I'm reading, reading like classic science fiction. I'm reading Asimov. I'm reading Jules Verne and HG Wells, as opposed to, reading things like like Andrews, right? But even modern science fiction, I was reading Arthur C. Clarke, um, you know, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, stuff like that. I mean, I think for me, you know, um, and, and it'll be on an upcoming Virgin's Views as we talk about King Kong, but for me, when I was a kid, you would hear that RKO, dee 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 and instantly I thought King Kong was coming on. <laughs> right? So... It's funny because you you some of these things become so iconic. You know them by like the opening, whether yeah. it, whether it was Universal, RKO, or some of these other folks. Even even Hammer Films intros were kind of symbolic of of the studio. And you're like, oh, there's a horror movie coming on. Whether it was from the music or the opening slate, you're like, yeah, there's gonna be a scary movie coming on, and you got excited for it. Yeah, and it. I don't know. It's just, I read a lot of stuff and like, 
I guess when I was in, I remember kindergarten, I used to watch on a TV, what was it? Um, House of Frightenstein, I believe mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah. And I used to get up at 6 a.m. and watch that and sit in the dark downstairs in the living room because, you know, everyone else in the house was asleep. And I used to love watching that just because, you know, it had everything. You had, you know, the wolfman, you had the vampires, you know, you had the mummies, you had the witches. And I just enjoyed all of it. And then, you know, from there, like, remember reading, was it Benicula and Halliday Inn and all those when I was really little? Because I was like, ooh. And then it's like, these aren't that scary or anything. And then it's like, okay, we quickly graduated, you know, other stuff. But I don't know. I've just been kind of like interested in it. Like when we go to England, one of my favorite things to do, which before COVID we used to go once a year is I'd like to go visit local cemeteries and take photos. Mm. Um, One of my favorite places I actually got to go, you know, search of the Highgate vampire. And I went to the Highgate cemetery in London. That has become a quest for you. It has. <laughs> Nothing, I'm not. I don't say that it, like it's a bad thing. I mean, you know, I sit here and, and research and explore, uh, you know, universal horror films and write about it and, you know, things of that nature. I've gone on literary adventures myself. You right? Not yeah. Not quite horror. I haven't been down that road yet. I haven't had that opportunity. But you know, as a, a self-proclaimed beatnik, <laughs> uh, you know, I've gone on my own little uh, beat literary adventures and. You know, gone to Big Sur and Bixby Bridge and pl- other places that Jack Kerouac uh, visited or or frequented, right? Or or the other beats, Allen Ginsberg and people like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the Highgate Vampire seems to be uh, kind of stuck in your craw a little bit. A little bit, and you know, over the years, it's written a bunch of articles, and I got to be fun fact in the documentary that was on Discovery Plus last year. That was cool. They came to my house and actually filmed at my house for the day. Um, awesome. So yeah, that that was fun, fun experience to do, and yeah, it's just been kind of one of those things where I don't know because we were talking about horror movies, and you know, and there's not a lot of stuff that. I find scary and I was trying to analyze because I'm a very analytical person and I was like trying to think it's like why do I like these or you know what do I enjoy about these and it was an interesting you know little journey looking online because first thing I do and I want to know something is I start to research and I look things Mm -hmm. up and that's where it kind of led me and I don't know like the only answer I came up with was I think it's part of my personality type I don't know if you've ever done those um have you ever done those Myers Briggs tests? I have. What what are you? I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, you're no fun. No, okay. I'm uh <laughs> yeah. I mean uh I have a lot of type A personality traits. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, I'm not using that as a, a a measuring stick, but I'm kind of a I'm kind of a weird mix between extrovert and introvert. And yeah. You know, I, uh, I'm perfectly happy being by myself and, you know, I, I, I self-soothe if you want to call it that. <laughs> um, but I'm also perfectly happy being in the life of the party too. So I can, I'll talk to strangers in the store. Um, you know, I need Dr. Rick in my life, right? Cause I'll talk to people <laughs> at the store and, you know, I get, I, I was at, at Total Wine and in, in Olympia not that long ago <laughs> Now I love I love scotch, right? Scotch is is my uh, my whiskey of choice, one of my beverages of choice, and 
there was this, this newbie who know nothing about scotch whatsoever. And he was mispronouncing everything. And, um, did you yeah. correct him? Or oh, you just let him oh, go? oh, of course <laughs> I did. And I, I got him going in the right direction because he had some, <laughs> some swill in his hands. I'm like, dude, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's calling Glenn Livet, Glenn Livet. I'm like, no, it's Scottish, not French jerk. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm Scottish, English and Irish. So, you know, I, but he I, was trying, he was trying and I give him credit for that. He, he really wanted to get into scotch. So, but yeah, I had to, I had to fix him. Um, but, um, but you know, it, it's interesting because as far as my personality goes, you know, it's just, I don't know what draws me to the horror genre. It's, I was indoctrinated at a very, very young age. It's what I prefer in yeah. my entertainment. Um, you know, I there's there's some authors that I absolutely adore in the genre, from Clive Barker to Stephen King to, you know, I've I've read a little Peter Straub, but even even you know authors like Gillian Flynn start to dance into that area right it's not quite horror but it's not quite thriller either you know if you read things like sharp objects and dark places and you know there's there's some you know twisted pathos going on there uh, well and what's interesting is like when i was reading this article on the journal of media psychology they were talking about the three main reasons why people watch scary movies and they categorized it as tension, relevance, and unrealism. So, which was an interesting I'll buy that. thing. Yeah, because it's like some people are do like drawn to it to the relevance because they find certain things, you know, within the movie that they can relate to. Sure. And then you've got, you know, people for the unrealism because they really like the movies because it's like, you know what? It's fake. It's it's just pure entertainment. It's, it's escapism. Yeah. And other people like it because, you know, they like being scared. Yeah. <laughs> they like the whole, you know, oh, hey, all right, I'm freaked out. Okay, you know, then you can relax after. And that's what they even said was um, some people even with anxiety find horror movies comforting. Mm -hmm. Because once you've gone through the whole experience of, you know, being freaked out after, then your brain then calms itself down and it's quite happy that it's calming itself down because, right. you know, you've got your dopamine release and everything. I think there's a lot of validity to what you just said. And I think I think that's one of the reasons why I'm drawn to Stephen King is the relevance. Mm. You know, I identify with a lot of the characters or scenarios in his stories, I think that's why I gravitated toward uh, Stranger Things, right? I'm a child of the 70s and 80s. My high school experience, you know, I graduated in 87. So a lot of, even though some of King's stuff is set earlier than that, right? Up, yeah. to, up to a certain point, which, you know, is basically the mid to late 90s, our experiences are common, mm -hmm. right? Our high school experiences are similar. Our Christmases are similar, Um all of that, our common knowledge is similar, all right, until the internet age starts. So I think, you know, when, when I watch something like Stranger Things, I used to pal around with my friends on bicycles. So that appeals yeah. to me, right? Same thing, same thing with the Losers Club, right? That was, that's what they did is what I did as a child. So well, there's that relevance. Well, about Stranger Things because I'm not a sci-fi girl. I really don't like sci-fi at all, but... 
that's one of the only things I can say that I watched. And I strictly watched it because, you know, it's trending on Netflix. All my friends are talking about it. And I I'm just like, rewatched okay. it. I just rebinged yeah. it, basically. <laughs> so, Getting ready for the new season. Well, and that's so I watched it. And I remember it took about till the third or fourth episode because I really was going to bail on it. And I'm like, no, okay, everyone says this is freaking amazing. So I made myself push through. And yeah, I enjoyed it. But it's just one of those things where it's probably one of the only sci-fi things that I can say I've watched and that I actually enjoyed it. But I think it's more horror than sci-fi, to be honest. I think, I mean, there is some science there. I think it's both, yes. Yeah. yeah, It's funny because everybody, when it started, was like, oh, this is so Stephen King-esque. And I thought, you know what? No. This is Dean Koontz esque. I've, I've never heard that actually. Yeah, a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, this could be a Stephen King thing." I'm like, "No, no this is more no, Dean no, no. Koontz to me." Yeah, and uh, you know, but I did rewatch it recently, and yeah, there's some stuff where you're like, eh. um, <laughs> you know. But again, it's another one of these series that you know, it's a series. It's not a two hour movie. It's like yeah. you know, I'm currently watching From on Epics, which has a serious, uh, you know, Salem's Lot vibe to it. Um, okay. But it's one of these series that has a lot of pad episodes, a lot of drug out. It's like, really, this could be a two-hour movie. Can we just stop with the, I the know, dragging and that's it out a shame shit? When you have that, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I you know, Midnight Mass was kind of that way. There was some ep- throw, almost throwaway episodes. It's like, you know, I get story building as a storyteller. I understand that. But at the same time, are we dragging it out so we can hit 13 episodes or, you know, for the sake of it? Because there's some really good British television that's eight episode seasons. And and it's well, nice Kiki and Blinders. tight. Peaky Blinders is six. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and we were talking about it earlier off uh, off air. You really need to watch Ripper Street, right? If As you talked about Highgate Vampire and, and you know, I get the impression that if you're not a Sherlock Holmes fan, you would be if you dove into it. I am. My turtle's name is Watson. So that's, there you that's go. That's true, right? I, I, <laughs> God. I, so I'm oblivious <laughs> to certain things. some know. Right. Or I'm oblivious <laughs> sometimes. Um, right. So I think you would enjoy ripper street immensely and we'll we'll find the uh streaming service for you i've watched it twice that's how I much will i add it to my list to watch them i've yep. got a few things on there it, ta- it takes place uh in the days or weeks or months after jack the ripper is done doing what he's doing they they you know uh not catching him as a black eye on on the police department um yeah you know, and yeah, there's a lot of macabre elements. There's there's a hint of horror. It's about the the police in that part of London, in the aftermath of Jack the Ripper, and and how they start to develop modern detective and policing techniques. Mm-hmm. And it's a really really well done show. You'll know a lot of the actors that are on it. Some of them ended up on Game of Thrones. Some are on Succession I've never on HBO. Games of Thrones. Well, the prequels coming soon. So. Um, oh, I have no aspiration to watch it. Well, there you go. Um, but <laughs> no, no. Not a, not a fantasy person. Um, so the thing of it is, when it comes to the horror genre, right, when we start talking about it, and, and the more I talk to you about it, as much of a fan of the genre as you are, I keep coming back to this. And I tell people this all the time, and it doesn't matter what we're talking about. You don't know where you're going until you know where you've been. Yes. And, you know, 
we discussed uh, for for your show the 1933 King Kong. I really think you owe it to yourself if you're going to understand this genre, especially if you're going to focus a lot on film. You got to go back to the beginning. You have to. You have to understand the effect Universal had on the genre. The fact that like MGM and a bunch of other studios were like, we got to get in on this. We have to do this. We, you know, we're doing, you know, Universal doing Dracula and Frankenstein, and MGM is over here, or Paramount is doing uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, right? As much yeah. as we talk about um, how much a, a, an influence literature is on our entertainment, on our lives, you and I, um, you know, it's a bigger influence on especially early horror films. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it before, uh, the first time I had you on, you know, it goes almost decade by decade. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of from decade to decade? But early, early on, it all comes from literature. Every yeah. last bit of it. it. It's Dracula. It's Frankenstein. Um, you know, it's the picture of Dorian Gray for crying out loud. It's, it's Oscar Wilde. I think the picture of Dorian Gray is a vampire story. Yeah. When you really think about it. Well, and that's all they had back then, right? It's not like now where it's like people are popping out books and films and like, do you know what I mean? Like you had a few original years. screenplays back then, right? I think yeah. I think the Mummy, nineteen thirty two Mummy, is an original screenplay. I've I've got it on on one of my blogs. Um, but no, you're right, right? It's like when we start making these movies, it's like, what are we going to draw on? And it's everything from Shelley to Stoker to even Victor Hugo. Right. It's uh, it's the hunter, hunchback of Notre Dame. It's, uh, you know, these types of things. It's it's Phantom of the Opera. It's, you know, and then later on, like by the time we get to the early 40s, now we start getting into originals like the Wolfman. Right. Everything everything we know about werewolves, as we've talked about on, on other other uh, collaborations, is is comes from Universal. It comes yeah. from the Wolfman. None of this is is like. There is no werewolf novel that gives us the rules, <laughs> right? That which I find infinitely interesting. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to find it for you. I'm going to get you a link to this podcast. Um, Rebecca, Rebecca McKendry used to work for Fangoria, and she's a PhD in. Um, and actually, she teaches horror films, and nice. uh, yeah, she does this whole thing on the definition of of horror. And I think there's a lot of what you talked about in there, right? The, the relevance, the wanting to be scared and the, the suspension of disbelief. Those are, are some of the things that really make up, uh, the horror genre. Well, and when you go and start talking then about the sub genres, so mm. I started, cause again, this was, this, I spent like two hours this afternoon start going down the rabbit hole <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, I started looking at this and then reading some psychology articles and I'm like, okay, let's look at the sub genres and break them down. And when you start to break them down, you've got very basic. So when I started breaking them down, which I'll go over them, it's like that started to make me think, okay, well, I know what I don't like. Mm. And then it's like trying to figure it out almost backwards. Like we've got demonic possession, Mm -hmm. which, you know, something like the exorcist. Right. And, you know, that's where it's got um, unknown human experiences, demons and We've got storytelling usually represent evil and like I like demonic possession subgenre like that one I'm good with. All right. You've got 
paranormal, which, you know, we've got ghosts, we've got spirits, we've got things. And like, these will be like your paranormal activity, the conjuring, Amityville horror, all those kind of things, which I like those as well. Okay. And then you go to like the monster one and monster. This one was interesting because they grouped vampires into the monster one, but then also included aliens and sea creatures. And I was like, that was weird to me because I don't like the aliens and I don't like the sea creature things. But anyway, okay. so the monster one, I'm going to say no, but vampires do come up later with their own category. So I was happy about that. <laughs> I think there's a couple different ways to define monsters though, right? I mean, there's, there's kind of the once human monster, right? And I think there's yeah. vampires, werewolves, mummies, zombies, that kind of thing. And then you have almost that, that kaiju character the uh, kind of monster right the giant monster where you you have or the, you have like all the monsters they fought on like supernatural which you know so many of those you actually look them up in lore and stuff a lot of these do exist they just put little twists on them that you know but they cross like, every genre right because there's yes. there's ghosts there's monsters there's you know and i've only seen a few episodes of the show but it does seem oh, like i've watched every episode and it's amazing i need to go back i I'm, i like what i've seen it's just you know i missed the boat the like first they time have and... gins a lot and a gin is it's a genie right so they had episodes with gins they had like wendagos they like they had all these monsters that you know you look them up you can find stuff on them especially since they did the show right it seems like and they're they're like doing every urban legend or monster ever they do created. which is which is funny because I also watch on TV show. I'm a Vampire Diaries fan. Mm -hmm. I like the originals. I have been watching Legacy since it came out strictly because it's the third spinoff. And that's what they do a lot is they incorporate a lot of monsters. Like the other day I was watching an episode and they took actually a clown and created lore behind clowns. And where they came from. And it was very interesting the way they like give backstories to things like this. So a clown isn't just, you know, a clown that we see in a circus. It actually had this like went back hundreds of years. Sure. So they had different things like that. And, you know, after the monsters, then we've got slasher movies, which, you know, slashers are usually like villains who are it's the humans. It's the killer next door. Yeah, exactly. We've got the high body count. Um, we've got like Michael Myers, you know, Jason Voorhees. And we've got kind of all of those because we had the classic um, Halloween movies that, mm -hmm. what, I think 78 when it came out. Yep. And, you know, it just kind of pushed us into this, you know, mask serial killer. And I like those. I grew up on them, but I still watch them. Like, I actually have to watch the latest Halloween one. I haven't seen it yet. But I enjoy them. I don't know if it's just because it's familiar because you've watched it since you were a kid or what it is. It's also the same character since you were a kid, which I think is interesting. Like, again, I don't really get bored with them. I know some people do because it's not everyone's thing. Here's my my take on those. And, and the only thing I'll say about them. I, I, first of all. I love the 78 Halloween, right? It's one of my favorite films. It's in the top three of my my favorite horror films of all time. But when it comes to what we're doing today, my question is always the same. What are you adding to the canon? What are you adding to the story? What are you adding to it? If you're not adding anything to the narrative, what are you doing? <laughs> 
That's my yeah. that that's my thought. And, and I like you have not seen the latest. I did see the 2018 film in theaters like the week it came out. And that was yeah, my Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. And that was my thought watching it was, you know, what are you adding? Nothing. It was predictable. It was you know, the, you, you knew all the kills before they actually happened. Um, well, and it's one of those things, I think, where it's like, even for me, I feel like you've invested so much time over the years. Like, I want to find out what's happened. I, I, I want to see how it ends. Right. Yeah. But the problem is it never ends. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. Right. Well, apparently it should soon because eventually the actors will die off. You know, they're <laughs> getting know. old. <laughs> I know. And Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie is Lee one Curtis. of my favorites. She's one of my favorites. And she can't you know, live forever. No, no. And her mom is, is obviously an iconic scream queen as well. Yes. Janet Lee and, you know, in, in one of the greatest films ever made psycho in 1960. And, you know, it's just, it's really interesting because, and I want you to continue with, with your examination of what you like and what you don't like uh, with the subgenres. But, you know, the slasher genre is kind of the one we've been stuck in the longest. And I, and I don't say stuck is, is a bad thing. It's, you know, I mean, the headlines kind of give us serial killers, right? They give us inspiration for these things. You know, the Night Stalker and uh, Ted Bundy and, and people like that. It, it just, you know... It's fodder for these films. And, you know, those folks aren't going away, unfortunately. Well, I would throw I would throw the Scream franchise in there as well. Sure. Which I like. I enjoy that because they change each one a little bit. Something's there's a tweak, something's different, there's a different surprise, something's happened. Yes, you have Sydney throughout the entire, you know, series, and I haven't seen the latest one again. I have to see it still. I haven't seen but, any of them, but we've talked about that before, and eventually I will. Yeah, um, you have to, I think, eventually, just I, because it was they were so iconic when they started. You know, it's, my the least popular or my least favorite actress from the craft, Nev Campbell, ends up being, you know, <laughs> big part of the Scream franchise. And she was on that. What was she on? Party of Five or one of those stupid teen angsty shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I she was on one show. of those and, and like, meh. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think you got to <clears throat> you got to put the, the Scream franchise in there. I mean, you look at it from the, the late 70s and into the 80s. It was basically teenagers having having sex that that created this whole thing. Right. But and now, then they get slaughtered. Right. Right. You know, so, you know, what's the, what's the metaphor now? I think, it, you know, the thing of it is, you know, things and, and we'll always have like vampire and werewolf movies and that kind of thing. But. You know, I think it's basically we're we're in the world we live in is you know the unsuspecting killer next door, the mild mannered yeah. right the the uh, raider the the guy who was BTK right was was like nobody suspected that guy, and you looked at no. him and you're like there's no way right but. What's actually interesting is on Morbid Planet, I actually got to interview uh, Catherine Ramslin, mm -hmm. who actually, you know, wrote the book about him. And she talks about in uh, the episode that I did was she basically communicated with this guy for 10 years and she wrote letters. She spoke to him on the phone and it's just her book sounds, I haven't read it, but her book sounds amazing just hearing about what they talked about mm. and the whole process. And there was actually, I want to say it was this January on, I think it was A&E, there was like a four-part miniseries as well about the BTK killer. Mm. And I it was have, all her on it. 
I have read <clears throat> her Science of Vampires. Um, I have that. Yeah, and I used a lot of, you know, some research uh, that she did for, for my novels. Um, and she's also an Anne Rice biographer. So, yes, she is. So it's interesting yeah. that you bring her up. We actually talk about that as well, and it's very interesting how she got into doing that was she actually proposed the idea to Rice, and Rice didn't want her to do it. Mm. And she then ended up creating, like, she did one anyway and then approached her again, and she was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, kind of went her over. But, yeah, again, it's a really good interview. Find it on Morbid Planet. It's a bit of a long one. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, but it's worth it. We talk about a lot of stuff. Talk about ghost experiences she's had. Um different serial killers she's researched where her background where she started how she got to where she was so it was one of my it's one of my favorite interviews i've done on there yeah i highly recommend it <clears throat> um she's she's something else and uh it's interesting you know the stuff that you come across that you end up using you know either either uh you know, to create your own content or, or write a novel or whatever. I was in a, in a, in an occult bookstore in New Orleans one time and picked up a copy of a book called the history of hell. Oh, and the author was actually featured in a documentary on history channel on guess what? The history of hell, <laughs> uh, which I thought was fascinating. And, um, a lot of stuff that she talks about, uh, when it comes to Uhura Mazda ends up in my, one of my novels. And it, it's just really interesting where we draw inspiration from and where we, uh, where we learn things. I spend a lot of time like you do going down internet rabbit holes. Yes. And you start Googling <laughs> something, you start, you start YouTubing things and doing searches. <laughs> God knows later. <laughs> right. God, yeah. Three hours later, God knows where you just ended up. Um, but it, it really is interesting because one of the things that you have inspired me to research, and this is, this is, uh, I'm, I have a question for you, mm. uh, in buried in this, but your Captain Kronos exploration has prompted me to write a treatise on hammer horror. And oh, okay. yeah, I started it yesterday <laughs> and I got about 700, 800 words into it. Um, and it's interesting because I've written extensively on universal horror. Yes. And I've written extensively on film adaptations of Dracula. And one of the things I've never really done is a deep dive on hammer horror. And part of the reason is, is because hammer horror started in the late fifties, but <sighs> it seems rather modern compared to universal right and it only seems <laughs> well, like yesterday 50s, if you think about it it's 75 years ago right but see i still think the <laughs> 80s are 20 years ago so i know i know right I, all these people are like you know you graduated high school you know 35 years and you shut up yeah um, <laughs> yeah i still think the 80s are 20 years ago and the 90s were, were 10 years ago so it, it's my perception of time is warped when it comes to this kind of thing but um, because Hammer was done in, in glorious Technicolor, it seems more modern than it is. And I've never done a deep dive because I think there's just so much material up that's been done on Hammer. So I, I was struggling with what, what do I have to add? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I found a way to do it with Universal. 
And what I what I did there was I explored each monster's story arc. Okay. Right? And it's hard to do that with Hammer <clears throat> because there's only one character that has a true through line for more than a couple of pictures, and that's Dracula. Yeah. So, you know, when you talked about Captain Kronos, you're talking about Carmilla. You're talking about the Karnstein family. You're talking about that, you know, it was a culmination of a trilogy of films that Hammer subtly didn't really blast it out there that they were doing this. But, you know, the best of the bunch was The Vampire Lovers with Ingrid Pitt, which is probably as close to Sheridan Le Fanu's uh, Carmilla story as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. My question for you is, it does seem like there's more out there that you haven't seen compared to what you have seen. Oh, for Hammer films? No, just in general. (laughs) You would, well, well, you admitted you've only seen like two Hammer horror films, which Uh, I fell out of. Three now. Yeah, I fell out (laughs) of my chair when you said that. Yeah. Like so again. This is one of those things I never got around to seeing them. Like, do you know what I mean? It's I like, do. Yeah, I do. And and that's why you needed like a horror show on on a Saturday afternoon that showed like back to back Hammer films, right? So, the thing of it is, when we look at this this whole thing, and again back to got to know where you came from to know where you're going, is Universal from 1925 to 1956 did some amazing things and influenced so many different studios, MGM, Paramount, uh, RKO, and, and, you know, the others that were around at the time. Hammer, you know, they had done a lot of stuff based on, on radio, radio serials and whatnot. But in the mid-50s, their first foray into horror is actually a science fiction thing. It's called the Quatermass Experiment. I've seen that. That was so confusing. Right. Now, there's a better, there's there's other films that are even better. But Night of the Demon comes out around that time, which is a really, really interesting film. But in 1957, they come out with The Curse of Frankenstein. And it, it changes everything. Because it's the first time we've seen anything in Technicolor. There's actually blood and gore. And in 1958, The Horror of Dracula comes out, introduces us to... Uh, Peter Cushing as uh, Van Helsing and Christopher Lee as Dracula. Um, And basically they reinvent all of the universal monsters. The one they do the biggest disservice to is the one universal monster has the best story arc, and that's the the Wolfman. There's one Hammer werewolf film with Oliver Reed called Curse of the Werewolf. It's an absolutely fantastic film, and it's the only (laughs) werewolf film they do. They're vampire people. (laughs) They certainly were. And, you know, the thing is, and this is, you know, the British films didn't have to worry about the Hayes Code, the Hollywood Code that, you know, censored everything. But the thing that that Hammer really introduced was the sexuality element. Mm -hmm. And you saw that in Kronos, right? That's Caroline Monroe is is his becomes his female consort, his sidekick. Um, But Caroline Monroe was a was a Hammer staple. And, yeah. and she so was I've been told. very much so. And she's also in Adamant's uh, Goody Two Shoes video, by the way. Uh, she does a really bad sci-fi movie called Star Crash with David Hasselhoff in the 70s. But that's neither here nor there. It's freaking <laughs> wow. terrible, <Okay>. terrible <laughs> movie featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. That's how bad it was. Um, absolutely awful film. Um, but um, 
everybody wanted to do Star Wars at the time, right? So you had good good space films like Alien, and then you had bad ones like Star Crash. Um, but Carolyn Monroe, you know, who's in in Kronos, um, you know, she's in uh, Dracula AD uh, or 1972 AD, and a bunch of other Hammer horror films. Uh, but that was the one element Hammer introduced was was basically blatant sexuality, which hadn't been seen in horror films like ever. You're awful quiet, Aaron. Oh, I'm just listening. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know it's my show, but um, which, you know, you're listening to the Get to Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, and I'm talking to... Uh, Horror maven and uh, social media uh, progenitor of, of numerous uh, accounts <laughs> and also uh, host of Morbid Planet on YouTube, Aaron Chapman. Um, so my my question for you is, what is your thought? What are, what are your thoughts on, on, you know, classic horror? What what have you seen and what haven't you seen? It does seem like you, you haven't seen all that much. I don't think so because I think when I started watching stuff as a kid, it was more like watching what came out then, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't date much back before then. So it's like, you know, Friday the 13th came out. We watched those or, you know, um, we had uh, Freddy Krueger's that came out or Hellraiser. Those came out mm. or Jacob's Ladder, like okay. all these things that, you know, um, came out we kind of watched it but we didn't really go and watch things before then and in my house growing up um one of the things that we used to watch because of course when you're a kid it was mostly like you watch what your parents want to watch um on tv was i watched a lot of uh westerns Mm. (laughs) so i am very well versed in you know john wayne and things like that (laughs) um I also watched a lot of kung fu movies. <laughs> so, Nothing wrong with that. Well versed in those too. Um, or there was a lot of uh, Star Trek, which I did not like and I refused to watch. <laughs> mm. So that's why I think, or if I did get to watch stuff, that's when as a kid I would watch older movies, but we're talking like Cary Grant, James Stewart, you know, sure. Catherine Hepburn. Um, Humphrey Bogart, I started watching a lot of those because you used to get those late at night on the mm-hmm. TV for what channels we had. So a lot of times I didn't have a bedtime as a child. <laughs> My mom still thinks this is amusing, but I think I stopped getting a bedtime when I was in about grade one um, because mm. I wouldn't go to sleep and then I'd be the first one up in the house. And I just sit there and not go to sleep. So they got tired of sending me to bed. So I used to just stay up and, you know, I'd watch whatever I could that was on TV or read or whatever. Or I'd get up early and again, watch stuff that was on TV. And it was just kind of, you know, whatever came on. So I think that's why there's, I don't remember back then there ever being like access to things like that. And no one in my house would say, go rent a movie or something Mm. for things like that, because it just wasn't what they watched. Fair enough. So it's kind of funny. One of my earliest memories was Dan Curtis's Dracula starring Jack Palance's Dracula. Mm, Okay. I had to be about four. And don't (laughs) ask me why I remember it or how I remember it. I just do. 
And it made an impression on you. Right. It was a made for TV movie. You know, Dan Curtis ends up being behind a lot of good 1970s horror. And, you know, I, I just looking the guy up and, and kind of seeing what he was involved in that I like was kind of stunning. And that was what introduced me to the Dracula character to begin with. And so I've been fascinated by that ever since. But again, where I grew up, we would get, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, things like King Kong or we would get Dracula or Frankenstein. We would, you know, the local TV would air these things. And then later on, when we got cable in the early 80s, you know, there was a lot of a lot of this stuff that was on HBO or uh, any number of, of these channels that, you know, the, the, the quote unquote superstation, right. We would get these. Oh yeah. We didn't get those till I think I was about, I remember 11 Okay, and it was a treat. Cause for a six month period, we had like super channel at the time. And yeah. It was like, Oh my God, you get everything. <laughs> right. And these stations would air classic horror movies or classic, you know, sci-fi movies from the fifties or whatever it was. And so you, you grow up on these things and, and you enjoy them and, you know, they influence you, you later. So for me, I go back and look at like universal horror as comfort. Mm. Right. They're, they're like, you know, it, it's kind of funny. It was, uh, it was demonstrated in, in hotel Transylvania where, you know, Dracula, the Wolfman, and all these characters, they're beloved by the townspeople now. Yes. Right? It's it's really interesting. And and as much as that was kind of portrayed in a cartoon, it's very, very accurate. And we we love these characters for whatever reason, as evil as they were, right? There's there's but there's a pathos behind them. And there's, you know, one of the things Universal tried to do at some point was like, okay we're going to try to fix these people. We're going to, they're <laughs> monsters, but we're going to fix them. They're monsters because, Oh, this one's addicted to this or this one. It's not his fault. He's killing people. Not his fault. He's throwing <laughs> people off of buildings. No, no, it's not his fault. We're going to fix them. So, but when you start to think about it, a lot of, a lot of the monsters were, were victims of circumstance. Yes. And I find that, that, you know, a, a fascinating trope in the genre. So I've talked to several people, and I and I think we talked about it the first time. We we discussed what was next, and one of the the people I've been reading a lot is uh, Stephen Graham Jones, and you know we you and I talked about it a little earlier, right? We talk about and you and you can dive into the the subgenres a little bit more if you like, but I think ancient folklore is the next step in, in horror. It's science gone wrong. will always be there. Right. Um, yes. some of these other things, we'll, we'll always get, you know, a, a vampire film. We'll always get a zombie film. We'll always, these things will always come back around, but I think what's next. And, and they tried with antlers and, and the ritual and some other, the ritual is a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it. Um, but I think, I think like old gods, the elder gods, the Native American folklore or even Asian folklore, we're going to see stuff that, that predates Christ. Uh, 
And well, and it's funny that you say gods because going back to again <laughs> legacies, that's one of the plot twists from this uh, season is they're actually looking for the original gods mm-hmm. that you know existed from back in the day. Yeah. So again, and that's something that's a spin on something I haven't seen before. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is where we're going. It's all right. We'll see where this takes us. Yeah, and I think you know, like I said, with Stephen Graham Jones, it's it's Native American folklore, right? It's the you you mentioned it earlier. It's the, it's the Wendigo. It's yeah. It, it's these things that we're not very familiar with. Um, that you know, these are legit horrific monsters, and. You know, when you look at the core group, you have the Frankenstein monster, you have Dracula, who represents vampires, you have werewolves, you have mummies, right? And you have zombies. What is next, right? We have the slasher. We have um, the demonic. We have the satanic. We have all of these. And we, you know... There, there's some classic movies, and we've talked about it on your show about Rosemary's Baby. We can talk about The Exorcist. There, there's certain films you're never going to top, mm-hmm. right? They, they were uh, they encapsulate this moment in time with perfect casting, a good script, great film. You're never going to top it. So, my question is, what's next? And I think a film like The Ritual, fantastic film, and I think Antlers was a victim of bad casting and some <laughs> a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, exposition uh, misplaced exposition but I think what and I've talked about it with several people on this show and I really really think this is what's next though is your elder gods your your ancient folklore and even even diving deeper into Lovecraftian mythos Well, and I think, too, that just even for shows that were like, you know, supernatural in that, it's just they had so many different monsters, so many different angles that they could go with. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like an endless resource of basically monsters and ghosts and all these different kind of creatures that exist and curses and urban legends and like everything they've tapped into. It's all there. And that's the interesting part is that in itself is such a huge resource for people if they want to, you know, talk about monsters, make new movies, make different, you know, TV shows. Like, there's just so many things. It just, like, that show went on for 15 seasons. And I know. And, you know, I look at, you know, trying to binge it and trying to watch it. And I'm like... You know. The earlier ones weren't as good, and a lot of people, because they also get into the whole God element as well, mm. and I know some people who watched it till it got to that point, but when you get past that, and then you know you start to get angels and demons and all these other things in, it kind of actually, I found, made it better. But again, that's just my opinion. Well, when you look at gothic horror in general, I mean, you you can't have gothic horror without the church, without religion it's there right it's you know one one begat the other mm-hmm. so i don't think you know i don't think you can you can have that without it but at the same time you know we can go back to folklore that predates that um yeah. and i think you know 
there's so much that predate. Unfortunately, a lot of it is lost to the, the sands of time. Um, but I think even people like Lovecraft have yet to be mined and brought to the screen in a way that that makes any damn sense. Right? I mean, um, you look at even films like The Reanimator and, and From Beyond, and, and which which sprang from H.P. Lovecraft stories, and you know. Like, and this is more camp than it is good horror. Um, you look at things like, uh, you know, the Evil Dead franchise, which, you know, I, I hope you explore at some point, right? There's there's, there's an ancient an ancient horror that, that is yet to be explored. It's been, the, the surface has been scratched, but I, I really think uh, we can go even deeper. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of potential. You know, when you look at, you know, especially when when we talk about true crime, right? And, you know, there's going to be plenty of stories that spring from the headlines, plenty of, of uh, you know, books and movies made, uh, fictionalized versions of, you know, this, that, or the other thing uh, when we look at serial killers and, and that kind of thing. But when it comes to the, the monsters, what's next, right? I think I think it's that ancient folklore. And I'm here for it. I'm I'm all excited. I want something different, right? I, I <laughs> you know, whether it's uh, from under the sea or from the forest or, you know, uh, <laughs> out of a cave or whatever, I'm here for something new and different, right? Um, I'm not a big fan of the mindless, uh, but uh, I think, you know, when you when you look at, as you mentioned, right, we're always going to have ghost stories. We're always going to have. Uh, the slasher. We're always going to have this, that, or the other thing. We're always going to be afraid of alien invasion for some strange odd reason. Um, but or a uh, comet hitting the Earth, right? <laughs> right. I liked that movie. Right. That was a good movie. <laughs> Night of the Comet. You're funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, but we're going to always have these. They're, they're always going to. It's it kind of goes in in a cycle, right? And it. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm here for what's next. Well, and and if we go back in, and this is the thing, maybe it might be some of these things because back into the subgenres because we've also we've got zombies, which we know over the years, like The Walking Dead, I think is just kind of like played out that so much. I'm not a fan. I've only ever watched a few episodes because I'm not a zombie girl either. Don't it, like it, them. It lost me at some point. I'm not this the series itself lost me. Um, I like a well-executed zombie movie, right? There's, there's, I, there's a handful I, c- I could bring up. Um, you know, I think, uh, George Romero's, uh, original Night of the Living Dead is, you know, what changed the genre forever. I mean, cause, cause you go back, zombies are a voodoo thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's a way to, uh, you know, to. Uh, control a revenant corpse as opposed to anything else. Hell, it was even in a Batman comic book I have. A voodoo, <laughs> a, a dead guy's brought back by some voodoo priest or whatever to fight Batman. It's like, okay. Was uh, it um, The Serpent and the Rainbow? Is that the one I'm thinking of? I love that movie. I remember yeah. that movie. That yeah. was a great flick. Yeah, that was, was an interesting one talking about voodoo and everything. Right. Like, that one is okay, but again, I watched that when I was a kid. Um, but anything else like, or if you look at for zombies, I guess like Zombieland, 
because it's a comedy i'm okay with that one too like that i'm i'm good i watch both but otherwise the other stuff no not really interested and like the other subgenre they had was the gore splatter which mm. is you know like again i'll watch it it's not that the graphic violence and the bloody guts and you know trauma and all these elements of it disgust me or anything or freak me out i'm not freaked out it's just eh you know i feel like it's been there done that or like i'd say like the saw franchise like i i remember watching the first one i was like oh this is all right this is interesting the second one yeah okay and then after that i felt like they just kept going and it's just like how shawnee smith's character ruins the third one and then it goes off the rails from there it did and i stopped at that point i haven't watched the rest of them because i'm like "Eh, there's i'm not enjoying this there's no point and like the first couple yeah those were great agreed um but then it's you've got witchcraft which witchcraft ones i'm good with i like those you know because we've got especially the latest one that i watched the witch that actually was a really good film i liked I, that one. i had to watch that one a few times and oh did you oh yeah you know what's funny about that one i i was so waiting for that film to come out when i saw it in the theater i was actually mm-hmm. disappointed and I can't even tell you exactly why I was disappointed, but when I watch it on my own television and it's brighter and I can see shit. <laughs> You're okay with it. I'm okay with it. And the, and whatever cut they, they put on the streaming services that I, it's so freaking good. And there you go. Right. And it's more, you know, and you got to deal with the thick language and everything else, but no, I, I was into it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is gonna be good. I watched a trailer. I don't know how many freaking times, and every time a new trailer came out, I'm like, "Ooh, I can't wait for this movie!" And then I watched it in the theater. I'm like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Um, <laughs> but I've watched it multiple times since, right? And even even uh, twists or differences on the the vampire genre, like "Let the Right One In" and the American remake of of "Let Me In," fantastic movies because they were yeah. different. Yes. Right. Go on. Go. Can continue on in the subgenre. I mean, oh well, the next one actually is vampires. (laughs) Okay, you know, which you know we're both good with, and it's one of those things that's just endured time, and it's still going strong. And you know, we get different series, we get different movies, all these different things, and that's what I would say again. Like, still comes down to it. It's my favorite subgenre. Sure. And same after that, we've got psychological where it's like, it's not so much, it's more like how they make you feel. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like making, creating paranoia, um, different emotional states. And usually you've got, you know, people that are unstable emotionally or disturbed. Like the one that first came to my mind was split. I okay. actually enjoyed that. Yeah, great that film. Was, yeah. Yeah. That was a really good one. So when you think about that, go all the way back to The Invisible Man. Go back to Claude Rains in in the 30s in Universal. The Descent into Madness film, right? Because even even a film like, um, God, what the hell is it called? Um, American Psycho. Yeah. Right? Films like that, Psycho, um, The Descent into Madness I think is a fantastic subgenre, right? The one you're just talking about, the psychological. Yeah. Right? Because 
especially when you're talking about sociopaths where, you know, you have no earthly idea that that person's capable of whatever. No, and that's, you know, that's the that's the great part is, you know, they're not predictable. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen, which I think usually makes the film more interesting. Yeah, and I and I think it's uh, it's kind of an underrated subgenre. It takes it, you know, I mean, films like uh, you can almost almost go with Gone Girl in that, right? Yeah, I mean, when yeah, you, when, you could, right? That uh, one was a that one was definitely again like you know not how I expected it to play out, and then it's like whoa, okay, right? <laughs> this and is I think where we're going, and I think you start to dabble in the unre- unreliable narrator. In, yeah. in, in a lot of these, right? I mean, I read The Girl on the Train. I won't watch the movie because I mm-hmm. don't like that they change the setting. I've seen, oh, okay. I've seen, I've ridden a train in England, above ground, gone out to North Chingford in, uh, outside of London. I know what that looks like. You change that to New York, you're going to really bother me. So, um, yeah, the train is way different. Yep. And, <laughs> so, and, and it's so pivotal. Spend many hours on them over there. Right, right. And it's so pivotal to the book. And, you know, you, you go and screw it up for the movie. I can't I can't watch it. But again, the unreliable narrator, which you have in American Psycho as well. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that, you know, the descent into madness and the psychological thriller is is just a, a, if it's done right. If it's done. It's always well, entertaining. That's what I find. Agreed. A hundred percent. I'm with you on that. And then they go into um, comedies, you know, because you've got <laughs> horror comedies like Shaun of the Dead. I love that movie. Um, that one I like. And I don't remember what was the last one that I, they did. Uh, oh, where they're at the school. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. I'm going to have to look this up now. But see, my um, favorite is Young Frankenstein. Came out a couple, came out a couple years ago. you got to watch Young Frankenstein if you haven't. It, that's the best one of all. For horror comedies, but I mean, you got Dead and Loving It with uh, Leslie Nielsen playing Dracula. You've got, you know, there's a there's there's a ton of great horror comedies out there. Um, you know, some are, are thinly veiled comedies, and others, you know, like What We Do in the Shadows is freaking amazing, fantastic uh, movie and series. Yeah. But yeah, I like that one. I enjoy it. I didn't like the movie as much as I like the TV show. Really? That's interesting. And I had to watch. I remember I first watched the movie on an airplane. <laughs> I downloaded it and, you know, I, I, I brought funny. it with me to watch and it was it was OK. And I was just like, ah. and then I watched it again. And I think it was about the third go where I'm like. Okay, you know, maybe it was growing on me. I don't know. <laughs> but I the series though, right away, I'm like, this is amazing. I so enjoyed like, you know, even the first episode kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's pretty well done. And, you know, I mean, Taika Waititi and uh, Dwayne Clement are behind it. And, you know, they're behind the film as well. And, you know, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Uh, yeah. As, you know, and it's just, you know, it's got some great, Great characters, great acting, and uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. But you know, to, to slaughterhouse rules—that's it. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's another good one with them both in it. So, got yeah, it. It's a good one. Um, but yeah, the comedy ones—I think they're good. Uh, again, sometimes they're 
the ones that they made the parodies of the Scream franchise, I really didn't enjoy that. But, you know, anyway, I didn't think they were funny. There, you know, there's a couple in the scary movie franchise that are, they're okay. Like the first couple are good. And then it goes off the rails from there. I think by the third one, you know, I, I didn't care for it anymore. Um, cause there's too much M night, uh, Shyamalan, yeah, it's yeah. just bleh. <laughs> but the first couple are really, really good because they they uh, the takeoffs on uh, things like uh, I know what you did last summer and and films like that at the time were well, really, really uh, topical and well done. And the the interesting thing about so this was the list it had the ten things so I'm like you know but what I found it didn't include that when I was thinking again of subgenres was I like crime ones. And those ones, like, if you go back and, like, one of, I guess, if I had a top 10, I would, like, say, like, Silence of the Lambs was, you know, I really like Silence of the Lambs. And also Natural Born Killers is one of my top 10. You got to put seven on that list, right? (laughs) Seven? Yes. Seven is actually on my list as well. I I, uh, uh, (laughs) I don't want to say I adore a film like that, but that that in in that category uh seven for me is is fantastic only problem is it was on tv the other night so i was watching it and i was like oh i missed this i haven't seen this in a long time i'm a big film noir fan and and there's a lot of noir elements to seven i i just again i've we've talked about how i like the characters Mm -hmm. and you know it's very hard where i find you get a good movie where you've got a good plot and good characters and I liked the one that movie because it had both. I found sure, and the acting was good. Yeah, and that's where it gets me. Like to get a five out of five for a movie for me, it has to have you know both really good ones. But for me, the characters are really the first thing. Sure, because I can deal with the weak plot, but I need to have good characters. Sure, and that's one of the things. Also, like Natural Born Killers was Woody Harrelson was amazing in that role, like. I and, think, I, and I like Juliette I Lewis. So, you know, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you. The problem with that one, you gotta you gotta forget that it's an Oliver Stone film. Well, I did see Juliette Lewis. I saw her band here years ago. Did you? Did you, you know? They yes. good. They they came to Vancouver and they were actually pretty good. I got a okay. t shirt and everything. All it was right. fun because she's in you know from Dust Till Dawn, which is one of my favorite movies. Yes. You know, you know, talk about crazy vampire movies. Um, but what are, what are films in this this crime category you're talking about? What are, what are the ones you like? Um, it's kind of like one of those things, like if it's anything like, say, you've got, um, I'm trying to think of an example, like Son of Sam or any of these movies that they remake with based on, you know, real life cases that happened sure. so things like zodiac I, I like, right yeah i like things like those did you those... like monster with Charlize theron yes that was good i liked that okay. i think she she's a really good actress actually oh, I, she's one of the best ever um yeah. she she really you know transforms herself regardless of, of the role or I mean, like manhunter i really liked that one or you know red dragon even those are mm. those are all the same series but sure those types of ones or the last one that I figured it was weird, but they didn't have in there is kind of like the superhero horror movies. And to me, it's like, you've got like 
Constantine or you've got, you know, Priest or even if some people might throw Blade in there. Because, you know... Well, Blade's the the first Marvel superhero. I mean, really... I don't know these Marvel things. I don't know this gibberish. But he kicks off the Marvel thing. He, I mean, Blade is... Yeah, Blade, Blade's something else. I mean, but no, I. you know what? That's a hell of a thing that you bring up. I loved Constantine. I loved the concept more than the execution. That was a good, yeah, like the movie itself. And I keep hearing whispers that, you know, they're going to make rebooted or make a sequel or something. Don't know. but And I'm a big Peter Stormari fan. And his portrayal of the devil is one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, um, that's what people rate him as is like, you know, one of the top ones. Yeah, and I and I love Peter Stormari. So no, but Priest, I like Priest. I, I'm a big yeah. I'm a big fan of, of Carl Urban. So uh for him in, in that one, and Paul Bettany's fine, you know, but um Paul Bettany seems to be the same person in every movie he's in. Um but yeah, I liked Priest. I'd like to see more of that. Uh, you know, there there's gotta be a, another film after that. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting, right? Because I think, I think there was, you know, some thought to do that with, uh, what was the movie? The spirit or whatever. It was kind of like a, like a sin city. Uh, mm-hmm. right. Um, but no, I, I think, or Max Payne, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, the, this, the, this horror superhero thing. I like yeah, it. I like, Yeah. Like, what did I watch the other week? I watched on TV, uh, what the hell was it called? I'd never seen it before. Um, mm. Max Payne, was yeah. that it? Yeah, not a very good film, but, but I, no. liked, I liked the idea. And, you know, it's like, it was gory. You've got, like, the superhero concept, you know, mm-hmm. and... So there's a lot of stuff I think falls into there, but I don't think that subgenre gets as much attention because it's not so much under the horror umbrella, but do you know what I mean? It's there. No, I buy it. Yeah. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And I think Constantine would be like the, like the poster child for it. Right. I and think- then the other thing too, when you start looking at all these movies and you have the subgenres and stuff, it's like, I also love how over the years, now that we have things like whether it's Amazon Prime or we have Netflix and stuff, is that they've come up with some really good horror series and allowed us to see things that, you know, otherwise that wouldn't make it for a movie or they've made it longer than a movie and, you know, it works. And the first thing that obviously comes to my mind is, you know, Dracula that they made. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a lot of things like Haunting of Bly Manor, Haunting mm-hmm. of Hill House, right? Um, Hemlock Grove, and even they did Sabrina, you know, The Adventures of Sabrina. They took Sabrina the Teenage Witch and they made it like a scary type, you know, lots of, again, monsters, witches, all the supernatural going on. And they filmed it in Vancouver, which was cool. <laughs> um, but they tweaked it so it was so different but i think it worked because at first when i heard i'm like i'm not watching sabrina the teenage witch and then i watched it because people again were like this is amazing and it's different for what they've done and then if you go to the comedies i don't know if you watch it again i don't like zombies but i really enjoyed the santa clarita diet give up it was 
Did you? Yeah. I like. I know it didn't get renewed, and I think they what had two seasons, but I enjoyed it. I tried. I, I really did, and I like Timothy Oliphant too. And I do. I like him. Yeah, yeah. I'm. A, I'm a fan, and you know, but but even even shows like like series like Fargo, there there's that that element. Right? There's that twisted dark element to I've never seen Fargo. Oh, I, I binged it <laughs> recently, like every yeah. every episode of every whatever, and it's kinda of funny because you've got that Jesse Plemons Kirsten Dunst element. And oh. you know, I mean that's kinda of, I think that's where they met, uh, one particular season of Fargo. But, you know, I think you know, even even dark Dark programming like that, whether, you know, you, you, you don't specifically want to label it as quote unquote horror, mm-hmm. but there's some horror elements to those programs and I'm here for it. I think it's great. I think, you know, again, you don't want to talk about gore, you want to talk about violence or, or whatever. I think it's the unexpected. I think that's well, for me, uh, when, when there's an unexpected element in in films or, or television shows like that. Well, that's why I liked Dracula. And Sean Rourke and I have talked about this on his show, which is The Vampire's Castle, if anyone wants to check it out on YouTube. Um, no we've shameless talked about plugs, this. Aaron. No, no. Okay. <laughs> um, we've talked about it on there a few times because when I was on his show, he actually asked me the question, who is your favorite Jacqueline and why? And I had to sit there and I had to think about it. And I was like, you know what? I think Clay Spang is. And the okay. reason I liked him was because he pulled off the character so well. And he just had that unpredictable element about him. He's just freaking off the rails. You don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to slaughter them? Is he going to spare them? You know, and it's, that's what I really enjoyed about the character. And I said, it also kind of goes back to, um, even in the shows like the vampire diaries, I liked Stefan or sorry, Damon Salvatore, the character because again off the freaking rails he's a vampire with an attitude you don't know where they're gonna go or what they're gonna do and i think that just makes the character so much better because again you i don't like watching something that is predictable you Mm -hmm. know what's gonna happen it's like oh oh, they're chasing you with a knife you're gonna fall you're not gonna get up in time or you know you're gonna get (laughs) stabbed like oh don't go in the basement because you know shit's gonna happen in the basement (laughs) you know and there's there's a whole thing for that for very predictable and it goes back to oh it's parody it's parodied a hundred times yeah and that's what it was funny i was reading again about my personality types and about the films that i was watching and that's one of the things that's like your personality type does not like the ones where you know what you know what's going to happen because it annoys you. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, it does. I know, and I and I'm married to a person who you know is really good at figuring out predictability, and she can't stand predictable films and television shows. So there's a lot to be said about that. Yes, there is. I agree. Because that's what I find it more enjoyable. You have that twist. You have like, sure. you, know, you don't really know what's going to go on. No. And 
I agree with you. And, you know, the thing about I liked about Clay's Bang's uh, portrayal of Dracula was the malevolence. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and but there was also a hint of the mischievous. Right? Yes. He was enjoying being cruel or, or uh, you know, uh, tormenting. Uh, and, you know, there was also some self-awareness of how screwed <laughs> up his situation was. Uh, as much as I didn't like that third episode, it was like, eh, I'm kind of screwed here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think when we go back, talking about the, the Dracula character in general, I think it's been very difficult to portray that character. Especially if you've read the book, if you understand the character in any way, shape, or form. I always come back to Lugosi's performance. As as much as it's been dissected over the years, there's only been a handful of people who've been able to play that character in the right vein. Mm-hmm. And and Clay's Bang is, I think, one of them. I think Gary Oldman, Louis Jordan. I think Gary Oldman did it well, did it as well. Yeah, I could say that would be one of the other ones. Right. And I think Louis Jordan in the 77 BBC production did it very well. And I think um, Christopher Lee and, and Lugosi. And that's pretty much it. Everybody else is like off. <laughs> It, it, it's like it's like bad cheese it's like off um or bad milk but um but what i'm interested to ask you as we wrap up the show or start to wrap up the show is where, where do you think the horror genre is headed what do you think is next it's hard to say like I, you have shows like, for instance, American Horror Story, Mm -hmm. which I really enjoy because every season is always something different. But as they keep going on, I think it's been like freaking 11 seasons now or something. You know, you start to think, okay, where are you going to go with this? Because they've had some really interesting ones. You know, you've got your witches, you've got your carnival, you've got your vampires, you've got you know, ghosts. And it's like, they seem to explore every certain thing. And I'm almost curious to see where they go with it. Because I think a lot of over the years, they've gotten this reputation where it's like, you know, then they did the eighties horror film one. That was an interesting perspective Mm. one, or they've done the aliens one. And like, they've kind of gone everywhere. And I think the one thing that is almost safe for people to go to when they're making the films besides we know reboots which don't always do well and you know once in a while they do is i think you know you've got your paranormal you've got your supernatural because i think they can always those are more like fail safes i think people will always gravitate towards those whether monsters i don't know if they always will and again it's a crapshoot if they make it, if like, you know, Dracula, like we said, it was done really well, but we also saw like, look at Dracula untold that did mm. horrible, you know, like uh, I was not a fan. I wasn't either. And I don't think a lot of people were. So that's why I feel almost like, you know, the monster ones aren't as much of a sure thing, but I think if, you know, you have things like the conjuring and, you know, stuff like that, 
I think that is more of a sure thing. And I think that's what we'll see more of just because they know they're going to get their rate of return for doing a film. And I give James Wan a lot of credit for reinventing the ghost story. Mm. Right. Right. I mean, those of us who grew up on things like, you know, Amityville Horror or Poltergeist. Yeah. I mean, go watch the original Poltergeist. That thing still slaps to this day. Right. I yeah. mean, some of the effects don't quite hold up, but the film itself is is eerily effective. Even, yeah. you know, how many years later. Right. So I think I think the Conjuring universe as hit and miss as, as some of the films have been for the most part, have reinvented the ghost story. And I'm here for it. I think I think the original Conjury, it's kind of funny. I watched it on a flight, and I, I started it before. I, I knew it wasn't going to finish by the time the flight ended. Yeah. I couldn't wait for the return trip <laughs> so I could watch how they did. I was, like, pleasantly surprised by this movie. I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. This is really good. And, and several of the Conjuring Universe films have been excellent. Some have been... Right? <laughs> but but I like what, what James Wan is trying to do here. Now, I didn't care for Malignant at all. I was actually going to watch that the other night because I saw it on Netflix, I think it was. And then I remember he said it sucked. And oh I was like... God. And I picked something else. I can't even remember what I watched. But I was going to pick it. And then I'm like, no. You know... It, <sighs> Like there's a lot of people who love that film. It um, it, it was very divisive. When it, I, I just I, it's so stupid. I, I thought it was <laughs> awful. But you know, for me, it's just not my idea of a good horror film. But you know what? To each their own. If you if you like it, you think it's great, whatever. Um, but not my kind of. Well, they're redoing The Exorcist, apparently. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Which I think is the the scariest movie ever made. I watch it every Halloween. It gets me every time. Even though I know what's going to happen before it happens, it still gets me. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I think, you know. um, I just think it's a safe bet for studios and especially with like, you know, pandemic, post-pandemic and, you know, everything's not the way it was or like things are coming out so fast. Like I saw the other day, it was like, Oh, crave TV this month is getting the Batman. And I was like, what? This just came out. So, so it's- yeah, it's interesting. You, you bring that up because it's a 45 day exclusive thing now. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's and even, you know, in today's day and age with streaming and everything else. And because of COVID you're looking at everything from day and date, which is release on streaming the same day it comes out in the theater. Yeah. There's a 17 day window, believe it or not, where it's 17 days in the theater before it hits streaming. And then there's 45 days. So the Batman is in the 45 day window and that's about to hit Uh, streaming very soon. Um, The the Batman was absolutely freaking fantastic. Fabulous movie. I, it made me secretly happy inside when I heard the reviews and everyone, I haven't seen it yet, when everyone said it was amazing because, you know, Robert Pattison from Twilight Days, I've always had this thing that I think he's a good actor and he just, you know, did Twilight, you know, he's done some other really good films, um, but I was happy that he pulled it off and it did well I, just because of that. I was skeptical 
And then I started seeing the trailers. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know what, this fool learned how to act. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, because Kristen Stewart, it took her playing freaking Princess Diana to learn how to act. But, oh, but I watched that. That I watched that the other day. That was horrible. Really? Interesting. I did not like that at all. And I, I was actually fast forward. Okay. Well, all right then. <laughs> um, but but I, the Batman I, was, look, I grew up on Adam West as Batman. I've seen Adam West Batman. Yes. Yeah. Right. And then Michael Keaton, when that whole thing hit, we we're like, Michael Keaton, really? But Michael Keaton was fantastic as Batman. He pulled it off so well. Yes. So I kept thinking, if Michael Keaton could do Batman, so could Robert Pattinson. Okay, with Robert Pattinson, have you seen him in The Devil all the time? No, I haven't seen him in that. I, I, you should watch it because okay. when I watched that, that actually made me think he can act. All right. Like, I, I was really surprised. And, you know, it's a thriller. It's, you know... It's not totally gory or anything, but it also has Bill Skarsgård in it too. Yeah, I like so him. it's it's got an in Tom Holland. It's got an interesting cast. All right, but just the character he plays really surprised me. Okay, so but you got to see the Batman. I mean, he's he pulls it off. He's really good in it, and and you know it's dark. It's got a film noir element to it. Um, yeah, the the guy who plays the Riddler is freaking fantastic in the role. Um, it's, it's just really dark and different. And, um, you know, I, I, I was, See, skept- and I'm not, I'm not like a superhero type really movie person, but for what, some, whatever reason, when it comes to Batman films, I'll end up watching those. Not all of them, of course, but like, I don't watch Superman. I don't watch, I don't even know. And Sean and I have had this conversation and he laughs because I don't know what DC is. I don't know what Marvel is. Mm. I don't know. Like, I know there's X-Men and there's, you know, all this shit. It's too much. I don't watch any of it. <laughs> Same thing. He laughs at me as well because, you know, spoiler alert for everyone. I also do not like Lord of the Rings. I also hey. do not watch I do not watch Star Wars. <laughs> well, that's a different discussion for a different day. Yes. <laughs> but you know, the the thing is I'm not a big fantasy person either, and I've watched watched the Lord of the Rings films. I watched two of them. I was not a fan. Yeah. My mother, believe it or not, my late mother was a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm not a big fan of the more recent, like the Hobbit films, but the original Lord of the Rings films, the first one and the third one are spectacular. The second one's like... I saw the first and the second one in the theater, and I still did not enjoy myself. I was yeah. like, when is this done? Yeah. I, I can see that. I can understand yeah. that. Um, so. But, uh, yeah. I mean, the only fantasy, really, that I ever got into was Game of Thrones. And it was more, you know, the only real fantasy was the dragons. Um, the rest of it was it was more of a, san- uh, a sword and sandal epic kind of thing. Um, but you know, I get it. It's interesting when you start looking at all this stuff and, and where the horror elements come into different things, because there's certain horrific things that happen even in, in the fantasy genre, but, Mm -hmm. but no, I think, uh, I think you and I have a lot in common when it comes to today and the future of the genre what you need to do 
So you need to educate yourself on the history of the genre. Hey, I'm getting there. I know, and I'm movies. here to help. I'm here for it. <laughs> We're I'm... watching movies. We've done three, I think. Have we done three? Uh, yes. We've done three. One, three, yes. Yep. Only one is published so far, but the other one, stay tuned. They yep. will come up. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about things like Rosemary's Baby and King Kong and, and, and these other films. I think when you immerse yourself in the history of this, go back to 1925. Go back to Phantom of the Opera. I saw it with a live orchestra when I was 11 years old. And it stuck with me. And I saw it at Queen Elizabeth Theater when I was probably about eight. Okay. Eight? Yeah. I saw it live there. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. Right. And so you get from there, you go from there. Six years later, you go to Dracula. Right. And then you get into Frankenstein. The Mummy, the Wolfman. The, the funny thing is, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. So Dave Carger from Turner Classic Movies goes to introduce Hammer's first Mummy movie. And he says, it's a remake of the 1932 Boris Karloff movie. And I'm like, no, it's not, jackass. I actually tweeted at him and I said, look... That is a remake of 1940s The Mummy's Hand. Get your shit straight, dude. He actually, <laughs> he's like, oh, thank you, you know. Um, what goes around comes around in this genre, right? I mean, even you, you look at, at uh, 1987's The Monster Squad, you look at Penny Dreadful, and Universal influenced everything and everybody. And I think that's where you have to start. Go back and I will help you. I will guide you through it. And you will understand this genre on a level that you never expected. But we have to mix in some more recent ones. Oh my God, yes. 100% yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to what, what's old, a, old movies. No, no, no. There's something called X I want to see. There's uh, something else called The Man or The Men that's coming out uh, here soon, if it isn't already. Um, a brand new Cherry Flavor. If you haven't seen that series, you need to watch that series. It's really, really good. Uh, Catherine Keener is in that. Um, so, yeah, no, no, no. We we mix in the, the new. Absolutely we mix in the new. But you gotta, and, and we'll get you to maybe do one or two Virgin's Views. We'll, we'll find something for you. Yeah, like maybe Scream. Maybe. You might enjoy it. <laughs> then you right? have to watch all of them. Right, yeah, absolutely. But um, I'm half in the bag, so... <laughs> Yes, it's time for bed. It is time to... We're in the same time zone, but still, it's bedtime. <laughs> it's getting there. Well, tonight's a double dip, right? Because we we did record an episode of Virgin's View uh, for you. And, and uh, you know, you being on the Get the Knack podcast one more time, uh, it won't be the last time. So we've been going for about an hour and a half. Yes. Tell me, tell me what you ultimately would love to see from the horror genre. What, what if, if Aaron Chapman 
could pick or choose the ultimate monster, the ultimate story, the ultimate villain. What do you want to see from this genre in, in the near future? Hmm. Well, I might be intrigued to see something because how you said to watch Ripper Street. Mm. I think if somebody did that, Jack the Ripper as a film, that might be interesting. Right. A good, honest to goodness film, right? Not not something like, yeah. um, what was that one that, that uh, I think it was Johnny Depp was in it? Or Heather, yes, Johnny Heather. Depp. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? Not a half-assed one. Like, right. even if somebody did something like that, how they did, you know, Dracula, and it was three parts, two hours each. Like, there's some things that they could do like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, again ghost or paranormal ones i'm all for those like i i don't even want to go into it because it'll take too long but it's like i'm really not looking forward to the vampire chronicles i am not anticipating it will be good but i'm not going to go into that i hope i have high hopes for that (laughs) right and there's there's going to be um all kinds of movies coming up right there. I mean, here there's a Nosferatu re- remake in the yes. works. There's yeah. uh there's another one that's uh, supposed to be the, the story of the Demeter, which is the ship that brought Dracula yes. right to England. So um, I think when it comes to the vampire genre, there's, there's, there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of things that, Oh, there will be more. There yeah. always is. Right. Right. But, if they're uh, good, that's the other question. Yeah, that yeah, that that tends to be the issue, right? Whether they're good or not. But anyway, Aaron, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, talking about horror in general. Um, what's going on? Uh, what's coming up with uh, Morbid Planet? And uh, what do you, what do you got going on? What do you got coming up? Any Morbid new Planet? New guests? I'm actually working on an interesting project which i told you about before um i am making a mini documentary for the anniversary the 125th anniversary of dracula Mm -hmm. so that one i've been working on and going to be a little bit longer because it's actually contacted many scholars around the world got some good questions some good footage that will be put together in a mini documentary and I also have a couple interviews coming up soon with one with a fangsmith, um, an author for one. Uh, another one that um, working on this week is for Simon Bacon, who is an author and a scholar. And then I've got some Virgin's Views, which, you know, coming up soon will be Rosemary's Baby. And also we've got uh, just did Vampire in Brooklyn the other night. That mm. one will be fun. <laughs> and then obviously King Kong. So, and I've got some other interviews coming up too, which on the down low, cause I haven't confirmed dates and stuff yet. So. Gotcha. Well, I tell you what, the morbid planet channel on, on YouTube is a must watch for anybody who's interested in the horror genre or anything, uh, macabre. So I highly recommend, uh, you know, anybody who's listening to, Check out Aaron Chapman on YouTube and the just search Morbid Planet. And uh, it, I actually got up. my own dedicated URL the other day. Awesome. What is it? So now you have Morbid Planet. I believe they do slash C 
sorry, YouTube slash <laughs> youtube.com slash C slash morbid planet. I don't right. know why they put the C in there. I guess it's for channel. I guess. But, yeah. It's a, it's an easy link. So apparently it's dedicated. I get it for the rest of my life now. That's fantastic. That's good stuff. <laughs> no, it, it's, um, you know, half the battle is getting, you know, being searchable. Yes. And I have tried it where if you do type in morbid planet, it does come up, which is good. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. Yeah. You got, you got to check it out. If you like horror movies, if you like the horror genre, if you like talking about or listening about uh, movies, books, uh, TV shows, anything to do with, with horror or the macabre, uh, you got to check out Morbid Planet and Aaron Chapman because, uh, you know, she's bringing it to you. And I uh, very much appreciate you coming on the show tonight. It's been great. Thank you. And uh, appreciate the fact that uh, you continue to have me on as a co-host for uh, Virgin's <laughs> View. Um, there's so many more films that I'm sure you haven't watched that I enjoy, but I'm looking forward to flipping the script, right? You'd mentioned that earlier. Let's find a, a film or a series that I have not watched, uh, that you have, and, uh, we'll get, uh, we'll get my opinion and, uh, get going on that. We will. Absolutely. Well, folks here on April 15th, tax day in the United States. If you haven't filed your taxes yet, <laughs> you're screwed. Um, but uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast. For my special guest, and now sometimes co-host, Aaron Chapman, I have been Jerry Knack. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>